This is Fashion in Focus, the weekly New Zealand fashion podcast covering our creative world from a unique perspective. My name is India Leishman. And I'm Murray Bevan. And every week, we'll connect you with the leading designers, editors, influencers, and stylists from all over the world. If you love fashion, this is the podcast for you. Georgia Alice is a brand so synonymous with cool that every article written about it seems to mention the term to describe the brand's aesthetic. But this rapidly booming business wasn't always the game plan for Georgia Curry, the boss and brains behind the operation. Leaving school at 16, she set her sights on becoming a professional ballerina, but ended up on a path that's led her to be hailed New Zealand's next Karen Walker. In 2012, her label was founded, and since then, it's grown a cult following that includes some of the most stylish and influential women in the world, with the likes of Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, Solange Knowles, Georgia Fowler, Margaret Zhang, Katy Perry, and, of course, the body, Al McPherson, all fans of her designs. So eight years on from where it all started, Georgia is with me today to reflect on her journey and share what she has planned for the future of GA. Welcome, Georgia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Super exciting. <laughs> hey, so um, as I've mentioned in your intro, you you left Christchurch as a teenager and you headed across the ditch to study ballet. Yeah. Which leads me to assume that at some point being a professional ballerina was probably a big part of your long-term goal, but you've ended up in fashion. So yes. can you tell me a little bit about those years over in Sydney, that sure. time of your life, and how you transitioned into fashion? Yeah, Um. I obviously started training in ballet at a very young age. I think I was four or three or four, maybe even, yeah, younger. And I think naturally it was something that I was naturally good at. And so I just kind of like continued doing it. And I loved it. And then you kind of get into this rhythm and your life becomes about ballet. And then obviously I got into this um, incredible school in Sydney and it was a really great opportunity and I – moved there and I think it kind of got to a point for me where actually there was this particular day where I where I was at this um, art gallery opening and I was looking around and I was like wow all of these people seem so happy but they're not doing ballet and it was what like, age are we talking at this point? I would have been 17 yeah um and I'd kind of been struggling I think you know obviously leaving home and leaving my family. Um, and you're quite young. Really young and, and sort of trying to, yeah, it, it was a tricky time. And I, I, I definitely got quite unhappy. Yeah. And I, you know, I went to this event um, and I was like, what am I doing? And it was literally a light bulb moment. I felt a shift. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And literally within a couple of weeks, I had completely stopped. And I had to, I'd never had a plan B because to me there was just no other option. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I'm not ready to go home to Christchurch. You know, I'd waited my whole life to sort of leave. It had always been the plan that I would go overseas. And then my mum was kind of like, look, I have a friend, you know, he did this um, internship program at David Jones where you kind of learn about merching and you work, you work in the store, but you kind of get trained and you can become a buyer or all these different things. And I was like, sweet, you get paid, it's a job, and it might just give me a bit of time to figure out 
the next step of, yeah. on this thing, you yeah. know. Um, so I did that and then I guess that kind of sparked a love for fashion that perhaps hadn't really existed before. Yeah. I think naturally I'm a very creative person and I think there is a romanticism and um, this kind of performance element that's in classical ballet but also can translate very easily into fashion. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like you're creating a world that people can enjoy, yeah. you know. Um, An escape. escape. And it, it totally is. It's a form of escapism. Yeah. Totally. I And then I moved back and studied fashion just thinking, you know what, like let's just give it a go. At this point I had no plan. So yeah. I was like let's just try, you know, let's just try it. But isn't that often the way, you know, you have a set plan and then it doesn't perhaps work out and you just sort of go, okay, I'm going to just throw it to the wind. I'll give it a go and see where I end up. And yeah. often that's where, you know, because there's no pressure surrounding it it's like this fun thing I'm just gonna see pursue this totally and I and I think that's what happened and it was nice to kind of move back to New Zealand and I was really focused I've always been like super driven yeah Mm -hmm. and I so at fashion school that was it I was like I'm not here to make friends I'm literally here to just like get this and be the best and just do it yeah and then um luckily in my final year I won that the Westpac Young Designer Award and um, my boyfriend at the time, he was like moving to Auckland and I was like, oh, well, I love you. I'm I'm coming too. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what the hell am I going to do in Auckland? And he was like, just start a brand. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. You know, so naively. Like, I just can't even. Looking back now, is that oh, just a mind? I just like, you know, I mean, I think having the naivety um, benefited me because I think if I not saying that I regret anything because I love what I've created, but it's been eight years of slogging, yeah. it, you know, and I don't think I had any idea of the amount of effort mm. and the amount of that sort of the rest of my life would have to compromise. It was like I went from ballet, which was that, to fashion, which yeah. is the same. It's yeah. just a different... Yeah, and then I started GA and it's just kind of like, you know, I had like obviously a list of things, not even written down, just in my head of stuff that I would love to to be able to achieve with the brand. And I feel like I'm at a point now where, you know, I'm kind of reevaluating. I'm like, okay, I've achieved all of that stuff. So now what's important? Yeah. What do I want to do? What do I want the next eight years to look like? So do you feel quite proud of yourself? Yeah, I do. I feel really proud of myself. Well, I'm proud of you too. <laughs> Sitting here with like a proud mother. Yeah, yeah, cool. I am proud. I'm I'm proud of my ability to stick at something. Yeah, you know, particularly when it's tough. Yeah, yeah. I think that takes a lot of strength. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't ever stop. I don't think I stop often enough and celebrate the wins. Yeah. That's something that I have to work on, I think. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to ask you a little bit more about um, celebrating those wins and you know, your biggest achievements a little bit later. But just going back to the, the beginning, so mm. Georgia Alice is a name that I think carries quite a bit of authority. Yes, it's only uh, two one-syllable words, but it really commands your attention. Mm. Was that a very natural decision to call it that because it's your name and your middle name or was you know there a thought process behind that? Or Yeah, I mean, you know, when I thought about starting a brand, I was like, maybe I'll come up with something... And I was, you know, tossing all these different things about. And then I was like, well, I don't want to get 
you know, the person that I am now and the person that I'll be in 10 years and the person that I'll be in 20 years are going to be different. Mm. So what I would think would be cool or relevant then may not, yeah. I, it might annoy me in 10 years' time. Yeah. So I just, I was just like, well, if it's just my name, then it, it's just it's my easy. name and there's just nothing else to associate it to. There's no kind of, um. so that's, yeah, it was just like, I just wanted it to be kind of a nothing. Yeah. It's just my name. Wow, yeah. you've done very well for someone who didn't plan for it to be much. Um, and I wanted to ask you also about the design process because that's the, the main part of what you do. Yeah. When you are designing, do you have, you know, a routine in place? Do you get out of town to maybe a little studio somewhere or do you do it at your desk in Auckland? What's the process for you? It definitely varies season to season and it also varies on who is in my team. Um, you know, I've had various kind of setups at GA where I've had like production assistants and production managers and then a design assistant specifically. Um, and it, and I'm really, because I'm working in close proximity with people, it depends what that kind of that next person is like. So, you know, if they're a really organized person, often we'll have a range plan mm. and that will give me the structure that I need. And often I will just design in the office um, it can get to a point though where I get kind of distracted by all the other stuff that's going on that actually I just need to be like, okay, I'm having a day at home. Yeah. Like this morning I, I just didn't go into the office because yeah. I was like, I actually need to, being I need some time. Being your zone. Yeah. And, and to kind of go from, you know, a meeting with the accountant to having to be creative is almost impossible. Yeah. So I think I am at a point now where me looking after myself and my own well-being within the company and within the business is actually key to being able to create my best stuff as it would be with anyone yeah. if you're tired or stressed it's hard to do the best job and has that been a difficult you know a long lesson to learn because I think Definitely. you see with a lot of young people when they're starting up businesses these days they're so focused and they're driven and they're giving it their 100 but the chance of burnout is quite high yes and I definitely have experienced burnout in the last eight years a couple of times. And I think it's, 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 it's not a nice thing to go through. No. But I do feel like each of the times that I've gone through a seriously stressful time, I've come out the other side and I've become more ruthless in my approach to self-care and balance and... Without those patches, I don't think GA would be where it is, yeah. as sad as that sounds. But it's, it's all what you learn, isn't it? Totally. And, and I think, you know, now being now that it's eight years and I've had a child at the start of the year, my priorities naturally are shifting. Yeah. And, it's a, and so now I am very much about when I'm at home, I'm at home. When I'm at work, I'm at work mm. and I'm present. And how can I be my most present? Yeah you know, there needs so to be ordered. those boundaries. Totally. Yeah. And sticking to them. Yeah. Because when you're your own boss, it's very easy to be like, oh, no, we'll just move that meeting. Or, yes, sweet, I'll talk to you right now when I'm in the middle of something else, yeah. you know. I see. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, you know, when it comes to inspiration, where do you find it? Because I've read up a little bit and you often seem to refer to, you know, stories you've heard, whether they're real life or, you know, it's art or it's a film yeah. you've seen or something. Where do you find inspiration? Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I'm very, my mood affects it. So 
if I'm in a really happy place, the collection, I'll look back on it and go, holy moly, that just looks like happiness to me. Yeah. Or, you know, I went through a really bad breakup when I was 24 and my collection from that year mm. was so, I look at it and I'm like, that is just heartbreak and sadness in that collection. Really? And maybe other people can't see that, but for me, it's like, Space is really important, you know, going to gallery openings, listening to new music, um, going for a walk along the beach. Sometimes the best ideas just come to me if I'm like on a walk with just my dog or I'm swimming in the ocean. It's like it'll just come to me and be like, oh, my God, we need to do that. Yeah. It's it's a very um, – it's it's a very unreliable process. Yeah. Which do you can have make to be proactive? Do you have to be, you know, and saying like, okay, I've got – you know, I've got deadlines. I need to design. That's where that kind of, you know, in my team, having that person who holds me accountable. Yeah. Well, everyone on the team has to hold me accountable. Yeah. You know, we need this from you. We need this. Otherwise, I would just continuously just, <laughs> you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know what you um, yeah. So I, I work really closely with my um, product developer and she is, deadline driven so yeah I have to force myself sometimes yeah Yeah. do you find you get much inspiration from traveling to different cities and seeing people living different lifestyles yeah totally even if it's just a change in headspace Mm. you know like when we go to Paris um just even being in an environment that is not New Zealand or you're out of your normal routine and suddenly you just feel I don't know what it is, but definitely travel has a huge, and I'll come back and I'll be so motivated. Yeah. You know, it's a change of space, just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when it comes to um, the travel, because you've had a lot of international success Mm. abroad. Yes, a lot in New Zealand, but particularly overseas. When you started Georgia Alice, did you imagine that you wanted to? you know, take things aboard from the get-go? Was that something that has happened naturally? No, it was definitely a decision I made. I kind of made the call quite early on that as much as I love New Zealand and it will always be my home, like I can't imagine leaving as much as I'm travelling and things, it really is just the most beautiful place. It's a limited market. Yes. Um, And I knew that if I wanted to have a business the business sort of success that I wanted, I would have to drive overseas. Mm. And I also knew even from a press perspective as well that if I got even the Australian press on board that it would filter to New Zealand and it's still relevant here. So it was definitely a call that I made. It seems Um, like so tactical though. I mean, when you think about it, you have got a bigger market in Australia mm. and a lot of um, people here, you know, who are following people on Instagram or, yeah. you know, social media platforms who wear your clothes, yeah. they're exposed to the Kiwi side as well, yeah. you know, and the Australians. But yeah. it perhaps doesn't work as much if you just focus on New Zealand and try to... I think it's, I think, I mean, you know, miracles happen, you know, there things, you know, th- you can think it's one way and someone does something and suddenly it's completely different. And I feel like at the moment, especially in fashion with this, like, move to the internet and Instagram, it's anyone's game really Mm. you know but I do feel that really pushing overseas has helped down here as well yeah yeah you're stocked at a number of high-end stores across Europe and Asia the Middle East and the US what do you attribute that global appetite to clothing to because I think dressing styles 
are very different if you're mm. in Paris or if you're in Israel or South Korea. Mm. Women don't all dress the same. So no. what, how does your, your brand work with that? I... I mean, I, obviously the clothes are beautiful. I don't yeah, want you yeah, thinking no, I'm no. like... No, I, it's a really it great question. I, I I don't know. I think... I think... Um, I think the power of a brand is not so much specific styles. Yeah. It's more the vibe or what people are buying into. It's kind of like I think more and more I'm like, what what do I want to say with George Ellis? Who are the women that are wearing these clothes? You know, what do they like to do external to fashion? Because fashion is one part of someone's life Mm. it's like how does it fit into every other area of what that that person does and I think the nice thing about Georgia Ellis or or at least that's when I'm really feel like I'm producing great collections I feel like the best collections that I produce are ones where they're not so much affected by trend they're pieces that you know you could wear in a year's time and they would still work with your wardrobe that you know in five years time and someone maybe wouldn't be able to look at it and specifically go, oh, that's George Ellis three seasons ago because yeah. it isn't printed or, yeah. And so I, I think when I'm designing well, that's the kind of collection that I produce. And on the collections where I'm a little less inspired or I'm feeling particularly stressed and like I'm short on time or I rush things, it's very easy to snap into doing like real trendy things that are – Harder to sell, actually. You know, yeah. you get Southern reports and you're like, oh, I knew all those styles would bomb because... Yeah. Do you think there's been then like a change? Because I, I've interviewed um, Maggie Hewitt quite recently yeah. and she's another Kiwi designer who spoke very similarly of the same thing as you in saying that, I mean, yes, her clothes are a lot more print and they're colourful, but yeah. that's, that's the brand. Yeah, yeah, totally. She said a lot about the fact that these days, as a designer, she wants to create pieces that someone who bought three collections ago mm. can still wear and see you know the designer go oh yes not oh god she's wearing my collection three years ago it's yeah. like oh there she goes rocking a great classic maggie Marilyn piece exactly. or a, you know a george Ellis piece yeah. is that how you feel as totally. well totally totally and and i feel like my best my best work over the last eight years is still sitting in my wardrobe yeah you know and i feel like that's for me someone who gets so much clothing all the time i the things that I'm ending up wearing are the things that now I look at and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do something like that because yeah. look how long it's been in my wardrobe. What are your favourite pieces or Ooh, the things you've designed or, you know? Question. Um, I knew this would be a hard one though because you've done <laughs> so much cool stuff. I have kept every blazer that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, that's your so signature, my, Yeah, so my, my wardrobe is very jacket heavy, which is so random for New Zealand. Um <laughs> And then my GA man shirt, um, I've kept all, pretty much all the knitwear I've ever done and that's something that um, I really want to focus on moving forward. Yeah. It's just like solidifying that. Um, what else have I got? My shirt, my, it's my shirting and my suiting and my my knitwear really. Yeah. All um, quite timeless things. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. And as, as a woman, I am definitely the more conservative part of GA. Yeah. You know, I, I I do these little party dresses and things, but um, which I would definitely wear to an event if I felt really good. But in terms of day-to-day, it's very simple and it's pretty much the same. Where does the inspiration come then, you know, to create these quirky pieces then if it's not? 
I think your natural um, spot. I think when I go overseas and I'm going out for dinner and I'm meeting um, other creatives and there are more kind of events and um, things that I feel comfortable dressing up to, that's where those pieces, yeah. you know, like my sparkly um, green mini dress that I did and I did it in silver. It's like in New Zealand, I found it difficult to wear here. Yes. But in Paris, I wore it and it was like the perfect thing. Yeah. And so I think that's where GA is um, really handy. It's got a good <laughs> is, balance. Yeah, is that, yes, there's this like timeless um, canvas, I suppose, but then the collection, the sparkly metallics, the um, the mini dresses and the fun things kind of act like fireworks or something, you know, that's amongst the clothes. That's a very cool way to put it. I like Yeah. That. Particularly also those materials, you've done a lot of sort of sparkly beauty. Yeah, metallic. Things. I'm like a magpie. Yeah. You know? So I think it's a good mix. Yeah. No, me too. Know. It's obviously yeah. proving very popular, so <laughs> there you go. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, like what's been one of the biggest achievements for you in terms of your stockist because – Peter Porte has a pretty impressive yeah. brand to be working with, but you've got a number of really great stores. Uh, yeah, Porter is amazing, and they're a, a really nice store to work with. Um, we recently picked up Selfridges in London, which for me was a pretty big one. And then my ultimate favourite store is um, Galleries Lafayette Champs-Élysées Champ so in Paris. Yeah. Um, that is like I can't even it's believe it. It's very romantic. That's that like store, totally it? pinchy moment. Yeah, it's is. beautiful. Um, and then recently, Essence in Canada—they're just an online retailer, but they are just the coolest. Yeah. Um, those would be my your tops. Yeah, yeah. With a lot of success, and we sort of talked about this a little uh, at the beginning, I should say, mm. with a lot of success, often comes a lot of pressure, and you know a feeling of needing to continue to deliver yeah and particularly in this day and age there's a lot of people who feel societal pressure to keep performing at a high level we talked about this as I said before but I wonder how you you know cope with that and if there have been times as you say that you haven't coped and can you tell us about those times yeah. because it's, it's real yeah it to- and there shouldn't be this glass you know totally all up totally and, and I feel you know you do get to a point where you're starting to get these big retailers and it's like, you know, when you're, when you start the brand, you're like, okay, this, there's, there's these steps to kind of get up. Right. And you're like, okay, these are the next things I want to achieve. And then you start achieving them. And then it's less about chasing, which is all about drive and, you know, working really late and being stressed, Mm. which sucks, but also it's like, well, I'm going to get to these things. And then it becomes more about maintaining which is harder because it means you have to keep producing collections that stores are going to get great sell-through with. You have to maintain press. You have to stay relevant. And I think the thing with fashion is they're always onto the new thing. It's like, you know, you look at fast fast fashion, like Zara's or whatever, or even, you know, like big brands like Dior. You know, it's collection every couple of months. sometimes eight collections a year for some people so there's this real kind of need always to keep performing never stop yeah and it is hard it is really hard but I think at at, at the in the moments where I'm like why am I doing this to myself I just have to take a couple of deep breaths and 
just whittle it back down to why I started and, you know, what, what is important in the brand? Does it matter if I'm not with Netta Porter next year? Not really. You know, if that was to happen, I mean, it would be terrible. It would be sad, but it's not my health. It's not my son. It's not my partner. It's, it's, Fashion is like a moving landscape and you've just got to ride the wave. Yeah. And if you're if you're thinking about the what ifs and you're scared and you're um so anxious that you're preventing yourself from doing your best work, mm. then you're gonna go that way. Yeah. So you're ruled by fear, aren't you? Totally. And that's the worst. So you just you've just gotta be like, okay, you know, like I was doing three collections a year and I was like, this is unworkable for me. I'm not going to do it anymore. Who needs this many, this amount of clothing? Mm. You know, I was like, it's ridiculous. I'm doing two seasons. I'm going to have six months to like perfect them. I'm not going to stress my team out. I'm not going to stress myself. And like, we're doing two seasons and there are still moments where I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah. But but it's actually now about making GA work for me and less about running the marathon and trying to just keep, you know? Keep at it. Totally. Yeah. Have there been... I don't know if I'm just like no, talking no, no. You're, you're right so, now. I'm so... <laughs> and this is what I... You know, like, these conversations are so um, important for us to have because I think, you know, I say, like, there seems to be this... You know, it's like an aesthetic up at the moment where it's like everything is just easy. That's social media, easy. you know? Yeah, and it's, I think, actually really damaging because yeah. that's not the reality. And someone yeah. might look at your life and go, oh, my God, it's so glamorous. I, and I, I bet people do. Yeah. You know? And and it's funny. It's like when I'm really good and when GA is going well and, you know, my life is incredibly amazing. Mm. I'm very lucky. But I feel like what's lost in the social media age is that we're actually all the same. Mm. We're all going to our jobs, we care about our family or, you know, there are things that we care about and everyone feels sad sometimes. I think that's the thing that's the most crazy of all is that you look at other people's lives and you constantly are in this comparison game. Yeah. With the good, but but if you feel bad, you're like, am I the only person in the world that feels this way? Yeah. My mum has always said you'll always compare 90% of yourself to 10% of someone else. Mm. And that is the biggest, you know. Yeah, comparisons are just, the, you just cannot do yeah. it. And There's I think no they say that about lots of successful people, that mm. the reason they are successful is because they focus on I'm on my own path. And they're not looking left and they're not looking right. And you think about it even when you're running a race. Yeah. As soon as you turn that head, that yeah. can be the split yeah. second of difference. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's a good message to... Eco, yeah. Uh, what's kept you going then, you know, through those really trying times? Because, you know, you say that there may have been times when you've questioned giving mm. this all up and having a quiet life. Mm. What's made you want to keep going? Um, I think when I get to that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a little holiday. Yeah. I'm burnt out. I yeah. Break. And I have a holiday and I'll, it'll get to like day three of the holiday and I'll be like, get me back work <laughs> and that, I love that and that's all I need is a yeah. reminder you know yeah it's like grass is always greener yeah and you know sometimes it's, it's, and I, I feel like especially since having a child you know I look at other mums who don't work 
for example. And I sometimes look at them and I'm so envious. I'm like, wow, it would be so amazing to spend every day with Earl. Like it would be the most amazing thing in the whole world. But I actually think I'm a better mother, like me personally, I am a better mother having this external thing that's also important to me. Yeah. Because when I see Earl at the end of a day, I am so in love and present. And when he's grisly or not feeding well or not going to bed, I mean, he's pretty good. But, you know, things that might, you know, after a week of spending a full amount of time with him might grind someone else's gears yeah. to me it's just like a precious moment yeah and I feel blessed that I get to have that balance yeah you know when work's stressful I'm like oh I just want to give it up and be with Earl but actually I know myself enough that actually having something like GA yeah. is really it's, important yeah especially yeah I can I can understand that yeah well I haven't had a baby but you know yeah, yeah no like, but listening to you but, I can completely understand yeah that. Grass yeah. is always green. Was that answering the question? Yes, no, 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 completely. Oh, it really was. Um, and I guess that's a big part of it. You know, it's like the drive to keep going is family and, you know, all these beautiful things that you have on the sideline that are there supporting you 24-7. Yeah. Yes, he's a baby, but he's yeah. part of that support. Yeah. And know? and I, yeah. I think you just have to have a quiet conversation with yourself. And also it is important to learn to be so self-aware that if it is at a point where you are it's more toxic and un, and and worse for you your, your mental health yeah to keep going than it is to stop then you just have to be brave and make that call you know yeah and i i think that's i know that if there is a point that i got to where it would be if that happened to me i would walk away yeah yeah I said a little bit before that it seems like we're living in this time where everything uh, has this effortless, easy aesthetic attached to success. Yeah. And it's as though everything happens naturally without mm. any hustling going on behind the scenes. Mm. That isn't really the case, is it? I think anything that someone views as aspirational or of value will have someone behind it doing the hard yards. But... That's what makes something beautiful. Beautiful, wonderful. you know. It's like it's that ho- back to that whole thing of escapism and romanticism. It's like when you look at a painting in a gallery, you look at the brushstrokes, you look at the colors. I don't know, the you texture, know, you, whatever. You don't think about where that painting was sitting. You know, in someone's. You know, they might have been painting in their garage and been really unhappy and just like, oh. I hate making paintings. Am I any good? Am I any good? All of that stuff. Instead, you see this. Masterpiece. Yeah. And I think I don't know how to balance the two. I don't know how to, you know, because part of GA is that I am painting this world, you know. But I think this is part of it, isn't it? Because it's, I guess, being able to communicate to the the fans, of course, the people who have supported you for eight years or have just you know, come yeah. to know your brand recently. It's sitting there and going, look at all this hard work, what this person's put in yeah, and what incredible stuff she's created. But at the same time, it's also being honest and being like the realities of this are that yeah. it's not as glamorous as it looks and Instagram makes everything look so shiny and easy and perfect. Yeah, And I think that's why it's been very interesting during these talks is mm-hmm. speaking to different people about the actual realities of role. Yeah. Because 
back in the day or, you know, when our grandparents were young, yeah. you know, after the war, you had to work really hard and yeah. work was work and you had to do it. Yeah. Whereas these new generations coming through might mm. feel like, oh, you just do whatever you love and it's easy. Well, yeah. it's not the case. No. That's not what work is. No. So I think it's sort of and opening I, I, that up to and, people. And it's not about sort of dampening people's dreams and, and being like, you know, don't dream big because it's really hard. It's it's not even about that. Like if you want something, I 100% believe that if someone wants something, they can achieve it. Yeah. It's how hard you're willing to work for it. Mm. You know, if you're willing to work really hard, I honestly feel like you could do anything. Yeah. You know, it's it's and and having your own business, having your own company, the highs that you get from it, the happiness that it brings, I feel is better than anything else. And that's kind of... Your passion, that's why you do it. Yeah, you know, so as much as there's the hard yards and the stresses and all of that, when you're in a good moment and it's going really well, there is nothing that can compare to that, I don't think. No, the high is unreal. Yeah. And I think when you work, exactly as you say, if you've ever thought of times in your life when you've really committed and you have worked, whether it was a university degree or... some Mm. sort of achievement you've done Mm. when you stick at stuff for a very long time Mm. it always means more if you've Mm. had to save for a beautiful item of clothing for months to be able to afford it it always means more exactly just oh that's cute I'll take that exactly and that is I guess the beautiful feeling that yeah hard work but it's worth it yeah I also wanted to ask you about Instagram which I know we've just spoken a bit about but I know it can be a business tool to help showcase a brand's personality or identity, but it can also shape an unrealistic reality of what the journey is really like, particularly for young people who may view a designer's life as being so glamorous because you get to travel to a lot of different countries, there's beautiful clothes, there is Mm. runway shows, but that is obviously not the reality. Can you share with me what the not so glamorous side of your job is like? Perhaps it's the really hard hours of travel or being away from Earl or your partner. What's the tough stuff? Um, I definitely think leaving family is tricky. I tend now I take Lois with me. Um, and when Earl is old enough, he'll start coming too. I really want him to get to experience travel as well growing up. Um, I think it's stuff like profit and loss, balance sheets, um, budgets. It's, it's, there's this real sort of like, business commercial thing that you have to sandwich with your creative and so at times I feel like there's compromise or we can't put that garment in Georgia because if we put that in it's going to retail for three grand and no one's going to be able to buy it and I'm like but it's so fucking amazing like I love it I want to put it in and so there's there's that and then there's just I, I don't know I feel like just being a human sometimes you know, you have. To, I have to go to work and I have to front up and I have to lead a team of incredible women who work for me. They are honestly amazing. And I want to be at the front being like, come on, guys, like we've got this, you know, and motivate and drive and, you know, help them with their lives because external to GA, I care about them. And there, so there's this pressure to... Um, be everything. Be everything to everyone. And... That is the responsibility of a business owner. That's what you do. You look after your staff. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I'm, I take on a, a lot of it. Yes. That's hard. I can see that. You, you 
obviously care a lot. You can, I do. I it's very translated. I yeah, I do care. You. And I, you know, it's hard getting a collection together. It's hard being like, this is the vision. Like, let's make it happen. Yeah. You know, fabrics fall through. Someone can't sew it properly. You know, there's just, it's so much. There's so many potential issues. Um, I think you just have to learn to breathe and meditate and go for walks. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, it's great. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. No, I'm I think, still figuring it I out. I think it's beautiful what you say, though, because I think a lot of the time we do forget to take that little moment and it can be very hard not to just keep going and going and going but as you say it's very um easy to burn out quickly mm. I want to change the zone a little bit because I yeah. do feel like I've pushed you into the really the dark the yeah, hard, yeah, and, the yeah, negative, yeah, yeah, and there yeah. are so many wonderful things about what you get to do yeah um I guess a big side of this is must be seeing all these incredible influential women wearing your clothes and being like I could wear anything in the world but I'm picking your stuff yes. that must be a huge honor yes um one of your big muses has obviously been Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. She yes. wears a lot of your clothes. Yes. You're probably one of her most worn designers. <laughs> um, can you tell me about how that relationship was formed and why she's such an important client to yeah. you and the brand? She is a amazing, kind um, lady. Uh, that whole relationship began from Bella, who um, does all marketing and sales at GA. She'd actually met Rosie... Uh, and when Rosie was in New Zealand and had delivered her address and then they just they follow each other on Instagram they're emailing each other Rosie places orders now when we were in London we caught up and went for a cocktail with her it feels authentic yes. and I think that's the key to this influencer celebrity thing is that I want all of those relationships to be authentic. It's mm. really important to me. Um, you know, I want this to know the stylists that are even styling them and to, you know, for them to really get the brand and for us to understand that person and... Yeah, to be a good match. Yeah. And so I think that's the key thing with Rosie is that there's that authentic... We, I, You know, she cares about our little brand from Auckland, New Zealand, you know? Yeah. Um. I feel very, very lucky, yeah. When it comes to, you know, having people who are very influential wearing your your clothes, mm. I mean, things are posted on Instagram, how does that actually translate into sales for you guys? Is it, you know, that one item becomes rapidly more popular if it's seen on Georgia Fowler? Yeah. You know, how does how does that work? Um, Rosie, there is a definite hike. Yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> the rosy effect. It's the rosy effect. Yeah. It's a it's a real thing. Some influencers will wear things and it really doesn't translate. I think that's back to that whole thing of being like authentic. Yeah. You know? It's like if I can create authentic an authentic global GA family of women that I respect and can appreciate what I do and there is that sort of mutual connection, then that is that's that will make me happy. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's very easy to get wrapped up in the, the social media and, and the celebrity kind of endorsement thing. But and 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 unfortunately that is kind of the thing that matters or seems to matter at the moment. 
and I'm always walking this knife edge of being like, do I just sell out and just like yeah. put my clothes on like every celebrity under the yeah. sun? You know, it's yeah. I get it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no I, right I completely understand what you're saying because I think you know, talking to your as you say, it's about being authentic and. You don't want to just be the person who has their clothes seen on every single person because it's, oh, here's a cool brand, yep, cool. Yeah. It wants to be a, a connection. I want there to be meaning yeah. in what we do. And purpose. Yeah, otherwise it. I'm going to have those moments where I feel stressed out and I'm like, why, why am I even doing this? Yeah. Because there is no purpose. There is no authenticity. There's no, you know. Yeah. Do you, um, th- does George Rallis have, much I guess to do with like uh, international PR agencies that sort of thing or is it very much led by you yeah so for a while I had a PR company in Sydney and we separated we parted ways maybe three years ago and ever since we've run everything in-house that's Bella's kind of department um and I feel like it's been the nicest time in the company it's been so lovely not having external people telling you what you should design or who you need to be dressing more being like well who who sits with me yeah who does it feel right with yeah sometimes I guess in order to expand a business uh you have to make tough calls whether that is as you say moving abroad with production or it's cutting ties not in a negative way but having to cut ties with people you've worked with for a long time uh I guess You've said before now you have been in that position. So yeah. how challenging is that? Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, because it is a big it's, separation. It's, you know, it's often the people that you work with really closely uh, become your friends, and so it's the ending of. Ideally, it's not the ending of a friendship, but that's in in many of the times I've had to do that. That's the fallout. Yeah. You know, it's. You can't help but take things personally. Yeah. You really have to be bigger than yourself to um, even, you know, to just accept that it's no longer. A th- it's like any breakup yeah. even, you know, yeah. and suddenly that person is a stranger. Yeah. Um, but I guess you hope that the people who you've had those relationships with, you know, the ones who really are supposed to be there along the way will yeah. understand that, you know, there's reason behind it. It's a business. You are running a business. Yes. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's friendship. You can't be that way if you want yeah. to be successful. Yeah. I think as long as you do things with good intent and with as much kindness as possible, yeah. um, then it's then it's then it then at least you're putting the good out yeah. and how someone responds that you have no control over anyway, yeah. you know? Totally. A lot of New Zealand fashion brands seem to be run by partnerships mm. at the moment. We've got Paris, Georgia, Harris, Tapper, Harman, Grubisher, and other labels like Karen Walker are co-managed by the designer's spouse or partner. Mm. But you have been doing GA on your own mm-hmm. for quite a while. Yeah. And while obviously you're doing a very good job of captaining the ship, yeah. I know you spoke about before your great relationship with the lovely Bella. Yeah. Uh, and I spoke to her a bit last year for the Fashion and Focus Speaker Series. I wanted to ask you, yeah. she speaks so highly of you and mm. she's so passionate about the brand. Mm. On the other side of things, how crucial is she to you having her as your second pair of eyes? She's the most crucial. Yeah. She's like a sister to me. She's my best friend. We care so deeply about each other. Um, and she 
more than anyone cares about the brand almost as much as I do. Yeah. I'm very fortunate to have her. Um, yeah, she's integral to the running of GA. Yeah. She's obviously someone you trust massively oh. if you say she's like a sister. Yeah. How did that relationship come about? Have you guys been friends for a long time? Did you it's, see her work at Ruby really and admire her? It's really funny, actually. Um, when I first moved to Auckland, I was working at this event. I was serving drinks. and um, This is not where I thought this story was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bella's mother, um, Anna, Anna, who is Love Anna. a guardian angel. Literally. Um, I don't know how, but I started talking to her and I was like, I'm, I'm maybe going to start a brand. Um, these are the kind of things that I do. And I sort of showed her pictures. She was like, what do you do? Like, let me see. And she was really the first person who gave me the time of day. And she was styling it Simply You for a shoot and she put some GA in it. And I will forever be grateful to her. And then, so Anna and I had this kind of like beautiful friendship and she was sort of like, Guardian Angel. Uh, yeah, totally. She's a beautiful lady, Anna. Oh, my gosh. She's just... She cares so deeply, yeah. doesn't she? And she yeah. can recognise talent. She's amazing. She's a truly amazing woman. And then, weirdly, I met Bella completely separately to that. And then after a while of knowing Bella, I was like, Anna's your mum? Because they, they have different last yes. names. And so I hadn't even put, the two, um, put the two together. And then me and Bella were hanging out quite a bit. Our social circles had kind of interlinked. And then we'd always kind of talked, like, sort of dreamt about, like, her coming to work with me and, like, you know. And then one day we just kind of, we went out for dinner and we were like, let's make this happen. And it, then it was just a very quick. And then I think over the course of her working for me, because it's a small team and we work in such close proximity and, you know, she did that sales trip to Paris, we, like, we shared a bed in this hotel room, you know. It's like we were forced yeah. to know everything about each other. Yeah. Um and, and and it's a tricky line to walk because you people always say, you know, don't work with your friends. It's like really hard. Mm. But I feel really lucky with Bella that we're great communicators. Yeah. And so even at times where we've, you know, butted heads there's always been a resolve. Yeah. We've always managed to work it out. And it's because deep down we trust each other immensely. Yeah. And that's that's the part of it here. Mm. Yeah. And I guess you're both there for that common goal and that must be quite hard to be a designer. Mm. Uh, or I should say rare, not hard, but yeah. it must be quite rare for a designer to meet someone else who cares, as you say, as deeply and as passionately about yeah. your, your project. My, yeah, my little baby. Yeah. Yeah. Historically, New Zealand labels like Zambezi and Trelease Cooper have seen gradual growth mm. over a number of years. Mm. But the younger generation of designers, including yourself and the likes of Maggie, who mm. I spoke about before, and many others, seem to have seen much more sharp growth. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you whether like having financial backing from family or investors plays a part in that, because it does seem, if you sit back and observe the landscape, that younger designers uh, seem to be a bit more you know, treating their brands like a business where if you want to make money, you have to invest in money. Yeah. What's been your sort of experience I with that? luckily had some investment at the start. Yeah. Um, and now it's sort of gotten to a point where I've paid back the investment and I don't want any more. 
I, it depends. It really depends. Like you could have millions and millions and millions of dollars funneled into your business um, and, and you will see instant gratification because how can you not? But I think there is something about slow growth and something about long that makes for longevity mm. because you have to make smart decisions. You can't have it all. You have to be like, okay, are we going to have an external PR agent or are we going to have one in-house? You know, big, big are you going decisions. to do sales in, you know, New Zealand, Australia, LA, New York, Paris, London, and Milan? Are you going to do the whole fashion month? Or are you just going to budget it and go to Paris and just like make the most of it and then increase to London? Or like, I feel money is important and it does definitely help. But I also, I also think that it's harder to grasp the reality of what it's actually like to have to make the best choices at the right time. Because if you have just tons of money, you do everything and then you don't know what the best thing is. You don't, you lose complete kind of, Direction. Direction, because yeah. you can do everything. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, do you I, know what I, I mean? I completely understand. I actually completely understand what you're saying because sometimes it's like if you're presented with a whole lot of options, your potential for, as you say, where you're going to head, mm. there are so many different variants yeah. and directions you could head in. But sometimes it's having, you know, staying very central to what your, your and, brand is and, and, and your goal. And if you don't have the money. Yeah. You can't. To do all of it. You go, okay, what's the most important what's the thing? most important thing right now? Yeah. For us. Yeah. You know? Totally. So so it would be great to have all the money in the world to be able to do everything that you want to be able to do. Yeah. And it would make things so much easier in lots of ways. But I also in the times where I've struggled and I haven't had great cash flow and people are calling me being like, pay your invoice, which has happened. In those moments, I've been like, shit, I really need to get a good cat, someone managing my cash flow for me. Yeah. You know, I really need these things. Yeah. And bigger, I guess, is not always better as well, which I guess is something you probably Totally. Do. I mean, I got to a point where I was doing three seasons a year and I was Too much. producing, 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 and it it wasn't sustainable for me. Yeah. Branding is very important mm-hmm. these days. How would you say you have created a brand that is so recognisable universally? And maybe this is one for Bella. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. Um, Take your time. It's all right. I think it comes back to that idea of being authentic. Yep. And trying always to follow my gut and my natural instincts and with that because I am the one kind of the final filter that everything gets put through before it goes out into the ether it means that there is this consistency that and I think that's important for people to be able to respond to Mm -hmm. because they get 
I don't know. I sometimes like just feel like I'm just talking shit. No, you're not. Like I'm sitting here and I think I'm just like taking all of it and I'm sort of being like, I'm just yeah, you know, I think, I think so as long I as I'm it. the filter yeah. and I am liking what I'm putting out, yeah, it'll be the right. It will be the right thing. Yeah. No, I get It's basically that. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's always hard. In a roundabout way. Yeah, exactly. No, I get that. Motherhood has been a reasonably recent thing for you, having your wee boy this earlier this year. Uh, and you're also one of the first designers in this younger group of designers who's had a baby. Speaking to them, though, I've picked up on just how full-on designing and running a business is. So I want to ask how the hell are you doing it now that you have a little Earl in the mix? And a side uh, note, it's possibly the greatest name for a, a wee boy. Oh, Isn't it you. cute? Yeah, I love it. I mean, obviously, you know no, it. I you love it. Him. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually think, for me, having a baby gave me the perspective and forced me to create the balance that I had been needing to do for many, many years. Yeah. Missing step. Yeah. Um, And we're very lucky in that Lewis, my partner, his family are incredibly supportive. So um, I went back to work after six weeks. Wow. Which was tough. Um, Just gradually. and, And now I'm at four days a week. So I have Mondays off. And then Lou took my maternity leave so he had time off with Earl and now he works three days a week so I work four he works three and then for the two days when we're both working on the same days um his mum actually looks after Earl so he's with his grandparents um so he's got he's surrounded he's surrounded by family and I think that is really important and I think it's important for him to kind of get exposed to all of the people in his life that love him yeah. and and be around people who do things differently and to not kind of be stuck in this regimented thing of like how my mummy likes it done. It's yeah. like he's having to meet other kids and he's kind of, I don't Being know. Being exposed to what his world is going to be like. It's yeah. realistically how things will be. Yeah. You are a working mum. Yeah. And I think I probably haven't allowed myself to think about how difficult it is too much because just keep going and not focus on that yeah because it is hard having your own business and then having to be a mother but there are it's also really hard being a stay-at-home mum like some of my friends who have babies who are stay-at-home mothers struggle you know everybody has different requirements what works and what doesn't yeah and I think just because I have a business and I am a mother doesn't give me more props than someone who doesn't doesn't because I spend you know if I spend four days in a row with Earl I get to the end and I'm like I am so fucking exhausted I want to scream I haven't had a hot cup of tea I like make it and it goes cold because I'm you know busy it's like being a stay-at-home mother is hard it's a full-on job it's full time and in a way work can be an escape and work yeah totally sometimes I'll be like thank god I'll Hop in my car in the morning. I put on Oprah Soul Sessions or a meditation. How good? So good. She's the best. So good. Or like a headspace or something. And I do some breathing exercises. And I use that 30 minutes on my way into work for woosaring myself and just like getting ready for my day. And then I get into work and I'm into it because I've had that transition period. Yeah. So I I feel really lucky because I haven't struggled too much with him. Does your schedule allow for much downtime? 
And if so, no. how do you spend it? How yes. do you spend your downtime? So I have a business advisor, um, this incredible woman called Barbara, and she, I kind of catch up with her maybe fortnightly or monthly and I offload onto her. She's almost like a therapist, but a business one. And so she now every, the last Friday of every month, I have to go to spring and I have a massage, two hour full body massage. And I'm at, you know, it's in my calendar, so I can't book things in in that time. I have to go. And I think that's one thing that I'm forcing myself to do. Um, And then other key things is every night, especially over summer, we take our dog and early and Lou and we all walk along the beach um I think that's the other thing that's really important a beautiful reset at the end of the day yep and weekends Lois plays golf pretty much all day Saturday this is every <laughs> I'm boy a golf widow they I golf. hate it <laughs> like every female in a relationship's like fuck golf yeah totally but also so good for him and yeah. makes him happy which therefore benefits us yeah um so Sundays are really the day where me and Lou and all hang out as a family and then Lou and I even talk you know like we need to start booking in date nights yeah because yes there's there's our own selves and there's Earl and there's our jobs but there's also our relationship you know that needs looking after it needs to be tended to so totally it's about forcing it in really yeah now rather than having just free time what has been a the what has been your career highlight I know that's a very big question because eight years is a lot and you have done a lot you've achieved a lot oh my goodness um I think my career highlight aside from dressing the woman that I've dressed in the stores that I've picked up it's more the point that I'm at right now where the team that I have at GA are really in their core, like really beautiful people. And I think because of that, I'm able to be in a pretty good headspace most of the time now. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful for that. And I feel like that to me is a highlight because there were points in the last eight years where I was like, is it just going to be hard and horrible for the rest of my life, for the rest of however long I decide to keep doing this business, like could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm there now. It doesn't mean that it's roses all the time, but I feel like 90, 85% of the time, um, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I think having had Earl, maybe I, it's not that I care less, but I don't worry so much about failing. Yeah. Failing, yeah. Like, you know, like I don't worry so much, oh, you know, GA didn't make any money or the collection didn't sell well. That would get keep me up at night. But now it's like you, I think I've been through so much with it yeah. that there's nothing that actually you can't get through. It's yeah. just problem solving. It just keeps moving. Yeah. And there's moments, there's ups, there's downs, and it just kind of keeps going. Yeah. And you ride that wave, don't yeah. you? Yeah, life isn't happy all no. the time. And it it's, shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It's like when did people feel like being sad or being anxious was this terrible thing? Like Buddhas, in Buddhism, they say this thing that um, life is actually suffering. Yeah. And the minute that you can accept that life is suffering, 
it's less about this performance or being happy it's about lessons yeah you know I I agree with that as I'm getting older I'm starting to observe that there are definitely repeated lessons that come in life and you just have to every tough thing you learn more yeah you know every tough time everything tough I ever go through I become a million percent stronger yeah Georgia what would you say is the most wonderful feeling for you when it comes to the brand and I guess what I'm trying to ask you here is it it might be maybe seeing your clothes stopped in a certain store or maybe it's a celebrity wearing them or maybe it's the everyday girl who has saved up her money for the last few months to mm. be able to afford a piece, you know, because those are the girls who are really your diehard fans. Yep. What is the most wonderful feeling for you? I think it's that people still are finding what I'm doing relevant, you know, that, you know, I'm creating collections and people still want them. Yeah. You know, it's really nice. (laughs) This is a very random question to, well, we're not ending just yet, but the end of our big, long Mm. conversations. You have obviously made it very clear that you love messy hair. Oh, no. Now, here's my question. Does that have anything to do with having to wear your hair slicked back for so many years? And when I say messy hair, I don't mean like yeti hair. I just mean like sexy messy, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, actually, in recent year, years, yeah. I just wear my hair naturally now, which is just As it straight. Is. But I think perhaps the thing around that is that I am more into an effortless look. Yeah. So I don't wear makeup. I don't put hair products in my hair I'm very like what you see is what you get um love me for who I am (laughs) (laughs) Um, unless it was like an event and then I'd be totally into doing like some cool bright eyeliner or you know I just think for every my every day it has to be functional yeah not boring functional but just like an honest kind of it's you yeah and, and that's when I'm happiest as well, when I'm not feeling like I have to perform. Yeah. Which enough, everything else is so bloody totally, demanding. Totally, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I've got a couple of quick fire questions. Yes. Hopefully, you're going to enjoy these. Uh-oh. All right, bright colors or pastels? Oh, I know you've both. done both. <laughs> both. Okay. No, bright, bright. Okay. Bright, bright, bright. I'm thinking of that green that yeah. you did. Yeah, I no, like, I, I think if I'm going to use a colour, it would be bright. Yeah. All right. What about plain or print? Plain. Favourite ice cream flavour? Vanilla. Really? Very boring. Hey, it's a classic. No yeah. Chill. Do you have like a religion or anything like that? I am spiritual. I don't have one religion, but I... Yeah, I think spirituality is a very important part of being a balanced human. I think it's important. Yeah. If you weren't born in the decade that you were born in, which decade would you pick? Hmm. Like late 60s, early 70s? A lot of people say that time. Yeah. Something about like big collars, the jackets, the flared pants, you know? Yeah. I, can I know it's lots it. of heavy print, but it's like... It's good print. Yeah. I don't know. That would be a great time. Yeah. If you weren't a designer mm. and you weren't doing ballet, mm. what would you be doing? Um, I don't know. I've always kind of wanted to be a florist. 
That's what Maggie said. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah, like work with flowers and be around nature. And I mean, I have friends that are florists who are like, you're insane. You don't want to be a florist. Yeah. But I feel like that would be really nice. Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. George Wells clothes and flowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so what is where is your favourite place to dine in Auckland? Prego, because it's consistent. <laughs> I don't know. And it's family friendly. It's family friendly. Monday night with yeah, little children. Lou and I, like, we frequent Prego a bit. Yeah. yeah. Prego's good. Yeah. Do you have a role model? Do I have a role model? I think I'm influenced by many different women. Ordinary and extraordinary in terms of what other people think. Yeah. Like my, you know, Anna Castleberg, Bella's mum. Huge influence. Bella huge influence you know yeah yeah what do you think your life will look like in 15 years time apart from the obvious of having a 15 16 year old oh you're gonna be God, in the mid-teens freaking crazy um I think uh GA will be being manufactured offshore yeah I think my team will have grown I will be spending every summer in Europe it's the middle of every year. We'll be living there. And maybe another kid. Mm. I don't know. That's I, I think I'll be happy. Yeah. I think GA and I think GA will still be doing its thing. I just yeah, I don't know in what capacity. I love yeah. that last answer. That's really cool. Yeah. Previous to this recording, I put the word out to some of our listeners to see if they had any questions that they wanted to ask you. And mm. I've just got a couple. Georgia, you have a small but personal team. Mm. How do you go about selecting people to work alongside you? Mm. Um, it's very much a vibe. I Because we're small, it's very important that they are going to be able to slip in seamlessly. That's kind of how I ran it for a really long time. And now I think moving forward, there is definitely that element, but skill level is kind of central. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Like you can only do so much on good vibes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially in a small business. You yeah. You need to have people hustling to, yeah, exactly. to perform. What are your plans for Georgia, Alice, in the future? Would you consider opening a retail store? Mm. We are really looking at our direct-to-consumer at the moment but I think a bricks and mortar store is not something that's really on the horizon for us I think I think that would be something that we would do as like a a branding thing as opposed to a money making thing yeah 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 all right well those are the questions I have for you today cool so it's time for us to wrap up but I just want to say a massive thank you for you for doing this because I think the interesting thing for me, you know, I hadn't met you before today, mm. but listening to you, and it's amazing to see that you, everything, there's so much meaning behind what you do, mm. and that really translates. And I think a lot of people listening to this will have been through experiences or times in their life when things have been really challenging. Mm. And to listen to someone like you who's gone out and done such great things and hear you talk about your journey Mm. and where you are now and that at the end of the day you can have all the success in the world but 
as long as you're happy mm. and you have family, that's the most important thing. It's yeah. been really beautiful to listen to. Aww. So thank you so much thank for your you. time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> fabulous. Uh, next week, Murray's got another brilliant guest who will be joining him. So make sure you guys are tuned in for that. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate you guys sending in your questions. That is it for us today. We will speak again very soon. That was the latest from Fashion and Focus. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of our conversation. If you want more, make sure you subscribe to get a fresh episode in your inbox every week. Check out more of our episodes on your favourite podcast feed and get in touch with us at fashionandfocus at showroom22.com. 